Hello and welcome back to the Firestarters Podcast. I'm Colin, here with Joe. Kyle Pitts! <laughs> Today, we've got a week five recap. Let's chop it up. Welcome to episode 12 of the Firestarters Podcast. It is Monday, October 11th at 7.44 p.m. We're about 10 minutes into Monday Night Football. Jonathan Taylor is going stupid crazy. He has two catches for 80-something yards and a touchdown. Uh, Carson Wentz lost a fumble. Shocker. (laughs) But (laughs) what do we got, Joe? We got... We got the the start of bye weeks next week, and with that comes a lot of questions. But before we get to that, we got a lot of, a lot of action this week. You know what I'm saying? Yes, we got sir. Some, got some quarterbacks getting a little banged up. A couple other really notable injuries. And we got we got a little breakout game in London. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but before we get to that. We uh, got to start out with the Thursday game that happened last week. Yes, we had we the, the L.A. Rams visiting Seattle. Another NFC West showdown. Uh, Rams win 26-17. to Our offense pretty much got back on track. Uh, finally got Robert Woods going. He had 12 catches, 150 yards. Daryl Henderson totaled 99 yards, and he... He got a touchdown. So Michelle found the end zone. Uh, but the big storyline from the game was Russell Wilson, like, he, I don't know if he broke the tip of his finger or what happened so, to it. So he dislocated the tip of his finger, and then he tore the ligament that, hold, that like, allows it to pull back up to, like, straighten it. So it's called mallet finger. So he can't straighten the tip of his finger, and so he has no strength in that. So there's no way he's throwing a football anytime soon. And with that comes a good month plus of Geno Smith. Yes, sir. New York legend Geno Smith. Didn't look that bad in the, in the time that he filled in. I mean, he threw the one bad pick, but there's an argument to be had that that was defensive pass interference because the, the wide receiver fell down on his route. So, I mean, maybe not all Geno's fault. He looked pretty crisp, though. Yeah, Lockett seemed to be getting knocked around a lot deep down the field. That, the, that wouldn't have been the first defensive pass interference called uh, on a ball intended to him. Yeah, uh, also- that's very true. We also had Chris Carson sitting out. He had a neck injury, so Alex Collins got the start at running back. Uh, didn't really do much with his action, but um, the Seattle team's kind of kind of looking dark now. Yeah, it's looking looking pretty rough. But it seemed like Geno was looking for DK. When he came in, he threw him the touchdown pass. I mean, Lockett seems like game to game, he just relies on deep balls from from here on out while DK is getting 
the short intermediate work as well as some of the deep work. While Lockett, he gets like five receptions a game, but unless he takes a top off on one of those receptions, it seems like he's having a pretty mediocre day. Yeah, and like I said, he, Russell missed him at least twice on yeah. what would have been massive plays. And then, like I said, he did have one late in the game. Uh, that was the defensive pass interference. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of what he's being used as. He's the, the field stretcher. Uh, you're starting to see more Freddie Swain as weeks go on, kind of becoming that third wide receiver. And then Will Disley's, like, get the tight end that's getting the action with uh, Everett Oat on the COVID list. What, what? Yeah, Everett, Everett should be back next week. He missed those two games back-to-back, which is kind of what we were afraid of with these COVID listings because they're about 10 days apiece. So we were saying, like, if a team has a game Sunday and then Thursday and they're on the COVID list, they're going to miss both of those games, yeah, which is exactly what just happened to Gerald Everett. Tough spot. Um, hard to say if you really would have been a game-changer, uh, especially with the injury to Wilson. But it is what it is. That's football. Next man up. It's true. Just like that, we'll move on to the next game. The, the first of our London specials uh, for the year. We had the New York Jets and the Atlanta Falcons. Falcons win 27-20. to And with no Calvin Ridley, no Russell Gage, it was, it was set for Kyle Pitts to go crazy, and that's exactly what happened. Nine catches, 119 yards, got his first tutty. It was a thing of beauty. Yeah, the Kyle Pitts breakout is here. My man's at 27 PPR points, which is more than any game Darren Waller has had this season and more than any game that Travis Kelsey has had this season. Kyle Pitts is the real deal, and all it took was every single receiving option on his team to go down and to be playing the Jets. But it happened, 26.9 PPR points, and the man looked good in in all of it. I mean, he's making contested catches. He had some downfield. He had short catches, intermediate catches. He was doing everything. Yeah, he, he wasn't scared to go across the middle. He was taking hits. He was getting up just fine, shaking it off. I mean, he's a mammoth of a human being. He had the nice one on, on the drag to the sideline, just just threw that arm out, snagged it one-handed. Yep. Yep. Let, let's then hope. That, that, post, that post probably could have been a touchdown if Matt Ryan could have let him. And it's then he'd true. have two touchdowns. He'd have had, like, another little 20 yards. Oh, oh man. Yeah, that would have, this, is, this is what – if you were the Pitts investor – this is exactly what you needed to to feel like that was that was the spot to go. I'm all in on him still. I'm loving the guy. Ooh. Yeah, if if they can figure Ooh. out how to get this like not this level of production, but this type of production as well as getting Calvin Ridley involved, this this offense could you could see it start churning with Cordell Patterson as the focal point of the offense because that is what they're insisting on. And then Kyle Pitts and Calvin Ridley playing off of that, 
it it just seems like they got something going on here and I mean, Kyle Pitts in this one game has gotten more yards than Calvin Ridley has in any game this season. So I I know it was against the Jets, so it makes it a little easier. But I don't know. It just seemed seemed like a lot of things were clicking. Yeah, Cordell Patterson back, still doing the thing he does. He had 114 yards from scrimmage. They get him the ball any way possible, returning kicks. In the backfield, he had 14 carries this game. He still had seven catches. And and when you watch it, it does look good. Like, yeah, (laughs) it does look good. It's not like it's ugly. It's not like it's something gimmicky. It is just a guy that's really good with the ball in his hands. So you can't really blame the Falcons for trying to get him involved as much as possible. No, it absolutely looked like this is the first full Falcons game I watched from start to finish. And it was like, oh, wow, Cordell Patterson is like here. He's a real player. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's like plucking balls out of the air and he's creating yards and like creating leverage on blocks and then cutting back through lanes. It's like, who is this guy? And why hasn't it taken him like eight years to be like relevant? They they had, I think it was a third and two, and they called the Devontae Adams hitch play to Cordero mm. Patterson, and he broke the two down and got yep. the first, and it was like, man, he, he do be looking kind of nice. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it reminds me of like how Debo Samuel's looking for the the Niners right now, where it's like he lines up all over the place, and they just rely on him to run after the catch all the time, and... It's working for both of them. They just make people miss in the open field and break tackles. I mean, yeah, if it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. It's true. And then on the other side, the Jets just sucked in the first half. I mean, <laughs> the defense was on the field the entire time. Quincy Williams looks like the real deal. <laughs> Quinnen's brother. Yeah. So that that's pretty yeah. cool. Uh, but and he has DB eligibility on Sleeper. Nice little uh, little slot in waiver wire pickup to throw on that DB slot. Especially when he's mainly playing outside linebacker. That's more the than best anything kind. else. <laughs> wearing wearing number fifty six. So yeah, that's like exactly what was happening with Foyasad Oluokun <laughs> last year. I mean, he's playing outside linebacker and. Wearing number 54, he's like 260 pounds, but they got him with DB eligibility, and he's getting like 11 tackles a game. And like Outside of that, I mean, Jets just, they made a little run in the second half, but other than that, not much, not much there. Yeah, I, I mean, Michael Carter was the bright spot because he was getting the bulk of the workload. Before, it was a lot of Ty Johnson but Matt Carter, 10 carries, three receptions. It's just nice to see he got the touchdown because that's the, the rookie draft pick that a lot of people were taking in, in the middle of the second round, and it's nice to see that kind of paying off as well. I know that people aren't starting him yet, but in, in those dynasty leagues where you need a running back, I mean, that that's just pretty pretty good to see him actually getting work in this barren running back room. Yeah, and we can only hope that he is the one that will slowly take over those touches. Uh, get your most talented guys the work. That's the best way to win a football game. And it doesn't look like the Jets are going to be in in many positions to do that throughout this year. 
Hey, Denzel Mims, three targets, two receptions, 33 yards. Hey, he was, he was pretty hype. <laughs> he got oh, his first overseas. catch. Overseas. <laughs> well, maybe the Jets just got to play more games in London. Yeah, them in Jacksonville can just go over there and play each other every week. Just become the first two London teams. There you go. Give give them that real home field advantage that they have the need. like London Jag, Jaguars and like the Birmingham Jets and just have them play in England. <laughs> Something. Something. I don't know. Moving on, we got the Philadelphia Eagles going into Carolina and stealing one 21 to 18. Darnold looked pretty rough, just 177 yards through the air, one touchdown, three picks. Uh, CMC was a long shot to play in this game. Uh, There's some noise out there that he might have had a chance, and then as the week went on, uh, he basically went from questionable to doubtful to out. Uh, But Chuba filled in again, and he's looking pretty good. He had 134 total yards in the game. He's looking explosive. He's He's hitting holes hard. He's getting to the outside. He's getting work in the passing game. Other than that, Carolina really didn't get much going. Uh, On the other side, Devontae Smith paced the Eagles with seven catches, 77 yards. Had a two-point conversion. Should have had a touchdown early in the game. Uh, Called it back on a pick play. So that's kind of tough. But Philly really just stole this one right out from Carolina. Yeah, I'll... Like, just to add on, that was the most obvious offensive pass interference. Like, that pick play is run Greg, all Greg the Ward time. Greg Ward just stopped. That's what I'm saying. It's like that, that, that pick play is run all the time, and it usually doesn't get called. But the guy, like, set a basketball screen. He set a screen. <laughs> and, then, and then he, like, pretended, like, oh, no, I was running a slant. Like, nah, you got to play it off better than that. But You got to try to get get there, chop, and then make a quick turn in a direction and turn to pretend yeah. like you're looking for the ball through something. Yeah, tight ends and fullbacks are great at it. They figured it out. They just like run with their hand up and like in their peripheral they know where the guy <laughs> just, is so they just run straight just into him. Pretending, <laughs> yeah. Like hey, I'm I was looking for the ball. It's like pass interference where if you're not looking for the ball, you're going to get called for it. It's like defensive pass interference, I should say, cuz it is pass interference. Yeah. But you got to be looking for the ball. Yeah, the the Eagles were dying to lose this game, but the Panthers wanted it more. <laughs> they ended up getting that block punt towards the end of the game, and Jalen Hurts got the rushing touchdown and then two-point conversion when it counted, and they come away with it. I mean, it was a really ugly game. Love seeing some consistency out of Devontae Smith. Definitely. Uh, 77 yards is really nice. Seven receptions, leading the league in target. Or not, well, leading the team in targets. But, yeah, you'd like to see that kind of continue. He built off of last week. He had that 122 yards against mm-hmm. Kansas City. So, if he can keep a little streak going and Jalen Hurts keeps looking for him, that would be golden. Another rookie coming into his own. Kind of a story of the week where we had a lot of rookies that had pretty impressive performances. Yeah, we might as well move on to uh, Green Bay at Cincinnati in what was a disgusting game by the end of it. Wow. What a Uh, game. But, like you said, Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow, they've got a connection, and that thing looks special already. Yeah. That... 
man, 159 yards and what was one touchdown or two touchdowns? I think it was just one. Yeah, he had the, the, the one deep one. Yeah, yep. that was, man. So six receptions, 159 yards, and a touchdown. Just this deep ball connection is insane. Every game, it seems like they're hooking up for one. Yeah. <coughs> but T. Higgins wasn't that involved. Tyler Boyd wasn't that involved. It just seemed like the whole passing game was funneling through Jamar Chase. And again, these rookies are coming out and just dominating these games. It's it's crazy because recently we've seen a lot of these these rookies. It's like Justin Jefferson was the outlier where he had such a great season. And it's like, yeah, it takes him a while to kind of warm up. Well, now Jamar Chase comes in, and he has the most touchdowns through his first five games since Randy Moss. So it just seems like these receivers are coming in more and more prepared, more and more talented, and especially linking up with his college quarterback. It's like prime time must watch football because this connection is special. And what's even more impressive was this was a guy that took last year off. Yes. And it seems like all of a sudden once he got on the field and it snaps that matter, he, he hasn't missed a beat. He, he is wide receiver seven right now. Yeah. It's nuts. <laughs> it is incredible. Then on yeah. the other side, there's a guy that's also pretty incredible. Yeah. <laughs> Devontae Adams and Rodgers. Oh, boy, nice. They're doing that thing again. Rodgers is just force-feeding him the ball, and it doesn't matter. He's putting it right on him, and, and, and Tay is making every catch from everywhere. 11 catches on 16 targets. 206 yards, one touchdown. Why don't Man. they do it every single play? <laughs> I mean, this game they basically did. I mean, no other receiver had had more than two receptions. I mean, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, again, both had pretty solid fantasy days. A.J. Dillon outscored Aaron Jones, but, yeah, Devontae Adams – 37.6. This is exactly what you you drafted him like seventh overall for in your drafts. It's for this kind of a game. 11 receptions, 16 targets. Like the target share for Devontae Adams, I think, is over 30% on the season. And this is why because it, it, all these long developing plays where Aaron Rodgers lets go of the ball and you know exactly who it's going to every time. <laughs> It's like, yep, yep Tay, he's open. And they were gassing up Chidobi Awuzie all game on the broadcast. <laughs> and he was just getting cooked play Every after play after time. play. The only reason they're calling his name so much is because he was tackling Devante after he caught the ball for 12 yards. <laughs> but, yeah, incredible game from Devante. Really ugly kicking game. I mean, Crosby four for seven on field goals. That announcer's curse really, really comes into play when they're like, oh, yeah, he's made 25 straight, and then he misses three in a row. <laughs> Not to mention an extra point. And then yep. on the other side, McPherson missed two kicks. Yeah. <laughs> it is just, I don't know what was going on. I don't know what was in the air in Cincinnati, but 
must have been some weird wind because I don't, I have no idea. But then it was like the one that McPherson kicked and it hit the flag. Yeah. Didn't even, didn't look like there was any wind blowing. So that's, that's a good point. So I don't know. Uh, Joe Mixon. The, oh, go ahead. Joe Mixon did play in the game. He was some that was, he was week to week. And then all of a sudden he was day to day. Uh, he did make an appearance. He had 33 yards, one touchdown. Only seen 28% of snaps. Uh, Samaji Pirine seen 61% of snaps. Uh, he had 59 yards and one touchdown on the, on the ground and four catches for 24 yards through the air. So I'm assuming if Mixon is healthy, that'll start splitting more toward Mixon's way in the upcoming weeks. But yeah, that's that's all I got on this game. Yeah, well, the the Packers' defense actually looked solid, but I I don't know if that's due to the Bengals' O line being bad because they uh, once again they're banged up. Mm-hmm. But that it seemed like on third downs they were getting Burrow off the field, and then they had the two interceptions, both kind of bad decisions by Burrow. The second one, especially in overtime, where he threw kind of right to Devondre Campbell. Yeah, just but like I the don't first one. The first one where he rolled out, it was it was a really good play by Amos where he kind of undercut that mm-hmm. route. So uh, Packers defense maybe getting kind of into this system with Joe Barry a little more. So uh, kind of getting it together. Got a got a Preston Smith sighting, which is rare, but yeah, shout out shout out to the Packers defense. It's good to see him stopping the run a little bit, which Absolutely. seems like that's our Achilles heel. Devondre Campbell is just everywhere. <laughs> Literally. It was like And then I mean we could touch on Jalen Smith coming over. The signed that'll really help with uh with the, the run defense as well. He has been struggling a little bit this year, but mm-hmm. I think Dallas with their money not wanting to be tied up with Jalen Smith, he wouldn't waive his injury clause for next year. So they just decided to cut him so they wouldn't have to pay him the, like, $9 million next year. So they're paying him seven for the rest of this year. We're paying him 770000 Really nice deal for a former Pro Bowl linebacker. So I'm really happy with that, and I'm excited to have him be our second linebacker rather than, like, a Chris Barnes. Yeah, getting another athletic guy out there that can fly around, hopefully make some plays get some turnovers just the more athletes you have on defense the better absolutely next game we got is uh new england patriots outlasted the houston texans 25 to 22 in houston uh pretty boring game not a lot of fantasy perspective you know coming out of this game davis mills may have had the best rookie quarterback performance so far (laughs) 312 yards three touchdowns um other than that like nobody else of any notable relevance did much out of here yeah i have down davis mills did good throwing to random people (laughs) (laughs) hit the nail on the head Chris Moore, I I kept looking up because I have Brandon Cooks, and it's like I saw the guy streaking deep, and I was like, oh, I was like, who who is that? 
<laughs> he was wearing number 15 and looked like Will Fuller. I was sitting there. I'm like, who, who is number 15 on the – I know a lot of people in the league. <laughs> and I'm like yeah. – because, like, in, in the web league, I'm streaming everybody I can to try to get any type Just. of production. <laughs> Chris Moore, never. Never once seen or heard his name. Chris Conley, I've seen, you know. Yeah. But, man, Chris Moore, 109 yards, five receptions, and a bomb on a touchdown. It seemed like the old Belichick strategy of take away your best thing, which is Brandon Cooks, I'm guessing, because – he ended up having a pretty abysmal day. It seemed to not phase Davis Mills, <laughs> which I never thought I'd say that Bill Belichick couldn't figure out Davis Mills. But New England still pulled out the win. Uh, zero or outside of Hunter Henry, there was no skill player that cracked ten PPR fantasy points. Um, Nick Folk is a solid kicker. If <laughs> Kicked you're a lot of field kickers. goals. Yep. Yeah, because they get into the red zone and they don't do anything with it. Uh, Jacoby Myers still has yet to enter the end zone in his NFL career. I'm just going to keep track of that. Every podcast, I'll just let you know if he scored a touchdown yet. He has the longest streak of receptions and yards without a touchdown in an NFL career. Damian Harris should have had a second touchdown. But he he fumbled the ball on his way in. They said it was out of his possession as he was crossing the goal line. So it could have been more lopsided of a game. Every single running back on the Patriots has now fumbled the ball. So that should just kind of reset everything. Nobody should be (laughs) in the doghouse anymore. So hopefully Damon Harris is still the lead back. I know he left the game twice, once with a chest injury, once with a rib injury, but from everything I've heard, he's just fine, and yep. he will probably re- remain the starting running back for him. Not like it's someone that you want to be starting, but in my case, sometimes you gotta start him. It's good well, to know he's that With weeks coming up, too, I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a nice guy to fill in if you have, like, a a Dalvin Cook, or you spent one of them high draft picks on these like stud running backs, and they have a buy. You could have gotten Damian Harris late in the draft, so it, it it could be nice to have him starting. He's a cool. It's kind of like Mike Davis, where it's like ten to fifteen, you know, yeah. points. Every I mean, game, if, basically. and if he, if he gets that touchdown, doesn't fumble, that it goes from a nine to a seventeen. Exactly, That's eight points swing on one play like that. Yep. But one guy that you really don't got to worry about when it comes to running the ball is Derrick Henry. Yeah. Because Tennessee did that thing again where they just give him the ball a lot, and he scores. He outscored Jacksonville himself. Uh, Well, (laughs) close. Derrick Henry had 18, and uh, Jacksonville had 19. But I might have some breaking news. Oh, Oh, okay. But anyways, uh, John uh, Gruden and the Raiders are parting ways. Wow. John John Gruden just resigned because of that email situation where it was reported that he sent out racial emails. There you yeah. go. John Gruden is not going to be the coach of the Raiders anymore. Wow. 
breaking news. You heard it here first. Probably not, Wild. because this Probably will be coming not. out on Probably Tuesday. <laughs> anyway, uh, <clears throat> yeah, Derrick Henry, really good at football, and, and he owns Jacksonville. Yeah, a, a coach that should have been fired uh, in Urban Meyer. <laughs> oh, Christ. Yeah, thank goodness for – Urban Meyer is like – is right now printing out a picture of John Gruden and putting it on his nightstand and like thanking him before he goes to bed because he's like, wow, I uh, thank you, John Gruden, for taking attention and I'm not the, the shittiest coach in the I, league right now. I don't know. I think he wants to get fired himself. <laughs> but, I mean, I, he's doing a good job if he's trying to. Anyways, this game started off horribly for Jacksonville. Dan Arnold catches a little out route, gets it, fumbles the ball. 7 nothing Tennessee. And then J-Rob is incredible. Yeah. I hope Travis Etienne just gets traded. I don't want any competition for him in this backfield because 18 carries, 149 yards, mm-hmm. one touchdown. Apparently Urban Meyer didn't know that J-Rob had half the amount of touches in the second half as he did in the first half and Urban was like, I'll have to go look at the film to realize that. Like, he didn't just coach the whole game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Urban um, Meyer calls the plays, right? I I honestly I have no clue. I think, I I think no he clue. calls the plays. So, how do you not know? <laughs> well, he, he also said that he wanted to to call the game 50-50. Yet, yeah. I think yeah. this game there was about 10 more passing plays than there was rushing plays. Right. Which is another thing he said he didn't know. But if he's the play caller... He, he should know that. He should know that. Yeah, because he... I think he said that he wanted it to be 250-250. Which I don't yeah, know yeah, if he's yeah. talking about yards. Yards. Yeah, I would, <laughs> I would assume so. If it does... No way you're going to get 250 rushing yards. That's what I'm saying. Like, when he, you, Derrick Henry had 29 carries. He's the best running back in the league. He had 130 yards. Like, you're not going to get to 250. You're not at Ohio State with Ezekiel Elliott. You don't have you're Nick not, Chubb and Kareem Hunt Yeah, it's, <laughs> on the roster. They don't even get to 250 rushing yards you, most games. You're lucky if you could get to 200. Yeah, and he's like, I think it was more like 200, 250. Like, no, it wasn't. It wasn't more like two. It was 150 to 280. Like, what? pay attention to the game that you're coaching. I don't understand how Urban Meyer has a job. He needs to be fired. Let's just move on. Let's, let's move on. Cut your ties. You were wrong with the hiring. It's fine. We all understand. He was a great college coach. It's not working. Get rid of him. Let's let's stop. Let's like come on. <laughs> it's, it's comical <laughs> that that Jacksonville did. They could have did something. Jamal Agnew was their leading receiver. Well, no, no. Tavon Austin. <sighs> no, Jamal Agnew had six receptions for forty-one yards. Tavon Austin had five receptions for fifty-four yards. LaVisca Chenault, on the one catch he had, had more yards than both of them. Yep. Because why? Because he's good at football. Get him the ball. What are we doing? Ah, Jacksonville makes me want to pull my hair out. Yeah. (sighs) 
Anyways, Derrick Henry, 29 <laughs> carries, 130 yards, three more touchdowns. Through five games, he has 142 carries, 640 yards, and seven touchdowns. That's quite Derrick the pace. Derrick Henry leads the league in yards, rushing yards, and the person in second place for rushing yards is Derrick Henry after contact. Yeah. Like, it's just dumb. He's... He's a robot. He's <laughs> just—it's he, true. This is—it's—he's what twenty-eight and he's twenty-seven, and he just the six foot three, two hundred fifty pounds. Just got been in the league for five years, and he just gets thirty carries legs. and hundred fifty yards and three touchdowns. Like it's no big deal. He's going to be the RB one without catching passes. I mean, it's for a couple games he, is, he was getting some. Well, some he work. has, I think. He's on pace to, like, heavily outcatch himself than he ever has in his career. But he's already set his career high in receptions in a game. I think he had six that one game. So mm-hmm. he's catching the ball more than he ever has. But, I mean, it's still, like, I don't know. It's wild. Wild, wild, wild year from Derrick Henry so far. Well, like I said last week... The Minnesota Vikings are that mirror on the NFC side. That is Tennessee Titans. And they beat Detroit 17-19. to they, they, Another team that tried to give this game away. And then they managed to kick a late field goal and win it. Uh, Alexander Madison with another spot start in for Dalvin Cook. And whoever found a way to clone Dalvin Cook into Alexander Madison. <laughs> this is very impressive because 25 carries, 113 yards, 7 for 7 through the air for 40 yards and a touchdown. Uh, you did fumble late, but he is just... You're getting exactly the same production. You're getting better production from the games that Alexander Madison has started than the games that Cook has started so far this year, which is incredible. Um, so... If you've drafted Cook and you don't take the handcuff that is Alexander Madison, that's bad. <laughs> You're messing up. Should have listened to the podcast because uh, we gave you a heads up that Alexander Madison was that dude. More often than not, the guys in these high-volume offenses with the running backs, those backups are producing 80 to 95% that the starter would produce. And this is the exact case. Alexander Madison. Yeah, this is the the handcuff situation. Exactly what you want. I mean, seven receptions. That's Dalvin Cook-like. I mean, that's Christian McCaffrey-like. Where you're getting seven receptions out of a running back and then you get the touchdown. I mean, there's not, not much more you can ask for. Especially if you have Dalvin Cook. I mean, exactly... Totally agree with everything you said. This is the ideal situation for a handcuff. I mean, we didn't really mention it too much with Hubbard, but he also filled in is exactly what you want yeah. if you have Christian McCaffrey. And then there's there's guys all across the league where it's like you want Alvin Kamara's handcuff because he gets all the touches in the backfield. If he goes down, Tony Jones going to fill right in and be 80% Alvin Kamara. Years back, so, Latavius Murray was was that guy. Exactly. And so, Alexander Madison. Yeah. 
because it's like I I had to start him this week and I didn't even bat an eye about it. I just I just know that I'm getting that same production production no matter what as an RB one, just because he's starting. Yeah, and then on the other side, Dan Campbell makes me want to run through a brick wall. I I think he's I think he's actually a good coach. I, do I too. just I love it. I I love it. I hope he's in the division for a long time because. He's passionate. He loves his team. He loves to coach. And the that's, complete that's opposite he, of Matt Patricia. The exact. <laughs> that's exactly what I was thinking earlier today. I was like, this is how you build a culture with a coach that cares. And Dan Campbell obviously cares. And they've lost two heartbreaking games in a row on game-winning field goals. But Detroit, I, I'm, I'm happy with what they have going on there because – it's been a long time since they've had a coach that seemed like they cared about coaching the Lions. 100%. And I, I think this team is a quarterback away from having yeah. a really good offense. We'll get into my heat check later, but it is Lions-related. Oh, baby. All right. Uh, we'll, we'll leave it there then. But, yeah, Swift – 11 carries, 51 yards, touchdown, 6 for 6 through the air, 53 yards. I He's a top 10 running back, you know, if this offense can stay on the field. I think Cephas broke his collarbone in the game. He did. I'm in Ross St. Brown. I've been it's preaching true. it since before the season. <clears throat> 7 catches, 65 yards. He is worth grabbing in all formats. He is... The wide receiver two, potentially the wide receiver one on this team. They're going to be behind in a lot of games. Goff's going to need to throw a lot. And St. Brown, the last two weeks, has been looking like his go-to guy to move the chains. Yeah, I mean, Hawkinson hasn't been doing too much these last couple weeks. DeAndre Swift continues to be great in that garbage time pass-catching <laughs> role. He got six receptions again. I mean, this guy, it seems like every single game, he's gotten from week one, 11 targets, week two, five, three, he got seven, and then six, and then six. He's just getting plenty of targets. So he's going to be a PPR monster for the rest of the year. He might not have the name value of all the other guys, but he's got the PPR value where if you're going to trade one of those big-name guys – like an Alvin Kamara, get Swift and a wide receiver. Yeah. And because DeAndre Swift doesn't have the name recognition of Alvin Kamara, but he gets the production of 80 to 90 to 100% of Alvin Kamara. But yeah, DeAndre Swift, he's getting that receiving work. It's really nice to see. It doesn't seem like Jamal Williams is cutting in too much. He's still getting some production, but. DeAndre Swift is the guy to have on this team. And like I said, Jamal Williams is a guy that can walk right into that role of Swift forever to miss some time. Absolutely. And he would he would fill in almost exactly the same. He did it being Aaron Jones' backup. So something to look at if anything does happen. Moving on. We've got the Denver Broncos going down 19-27 to in Pittsburgh to the Steelers. Got classic Big Ben again. Uncorked a 50-yard touchdown to Deontay Johnson. And then he got strip-sacked 
yeah. <laughs> on the next drive because you can't move. But other than that, the Steelers didn't look too bad. Najee looked really good again. Really good. Oh. On the ground this time, he 23. was 23, oh. yes. 23 carries. Buck 22. I like that his signature thing is to jump over the pile for, yep. <laughs> at the goal line for the touchdown. Tacked on two catches for 20 yards. And like you were preaching at the start of the year, he's slowly moving into that RB1 conversation. This is, mm-hmm. his, is this his third straight 20-plus game now from a PPR perspective. And not much more you could ask for from a guy that uh, was like the consensus 101 in rookie drafts and was even going like 107 to 112 in, in redraft. Exactly. Yeah, these... This game was more impressive than any other game so far because he only had two receptions. That 23 carries, 122 yards on the ground and the touchdown is really nice to see because of how bad their O-line is that he is still making it work and finding ways to get it done on the ground. It's so important to have that floor of 70 to 100 rushing yards and then adding on the receiving work. Yep. That's where you get into that upper echelon, them Saquon, them CMC, Dalvin numbers, where you're getting that rushing floor that you're always consistently getting, and then you tack on the receiving numbers. Perfect. Lamar just missed Hollywood wide open in the end zone. Uh, not, <laughs> not what I liked here. Uh, but uh, Chase, anyway. Chase Claypool had another, another pretty big yardage game. He had five for 130 and a touchdown. It uh, looks like Juju will undergo season-ending shoulder surgery. Uh, at this point, he's pretty much droppable in most formats. I mean, even from a dynasty perspective, it was being argued that you could cut ties. I mean, it's just it, his stock has just been falling since the year started. I don't know if he's droppable. I mean, you have an IR slot, throw him on there. And he's going to be a free agent after this year. So if he's going somewhere where he's going to be getting wide receiver one production, that's definitely upside. But there's definitely no selling window for Juju anymore. If you got out while you could, congratulations. But until Juju has another game where he looks anything like a wide receiver one, his value is going to be really, really depressed. But... I, I'm hoping that he goes somewhere and fills a role where, I, I, I don't know. If if Chris Godwin ends up leaving Tampa, my ideal spot would be him landing there and filling that Chris Godwin spot, and then he can up that value. But so far, it, it hasn't been looking great ever since Antonio Brown left, and everybody expected him to take that leap to wide receiver one. Deontay Johnson came in, took that role. Claypool took wide receiver two. And now Juju is kind of in limbo. Yeah. It's it's unfortunate because there was two years ago, he was like all the hype. And then all of a sudden, it was just Deontay Johnson. Deontay Johnson. Deontay Johnson getting double-digit targets. Game after game. And so it was like Juju almost became a touchdown, like, 
reliable touchdown guy. Like you needed the touchdown for him to hit yes. his value. Touchdown reliant. Reliant. There you go. And personally, that's never something I want in a guy that I'm rostering because the consistency is just never going to be there. Yep. And on the other side, the Broncos were hoping some consistency is starting to come out of Cortland Sutton. Big game. Got a huge game. Another 100-yard game out of him. Uh, he had one in week two against Jacksonville, had 159 yards, and then comes into this game, 120 yards and a touchdown. Really nice to see him kind of getting his legs under him. He's getting a ton of air yards, which we didn't know if that was going to happen with Teddy at quarterback, mm-hmm. but seems like Sutton is the deep threat here now that they're kind of running pretty thin on wide receiver. It's Sutton, Tim Patrick, and then Kendall Hinton is the only one really getting targets. So former quarterback Kendall Hinton, that is. <laughs> but Man, yeah. they threw him in the fire last year. <laughs> he scored a touchdown. He scored a touchdown last game. But, yeah, Cortland Sutton is benefiting from the thin wide receiver room Judy should be coming back pretty soon. Got hurt week one with that high ankle. Got diagnosed, I think, five to eight weeks. So you might be seeing Judy start to kind of get back into practice and and start running routes and stuff soon, hopefully. But, yeah, I mean, Cortland Sutton just thriving on opportunity. Tim Patrick had himself a pretty good game, too. Seven catches, 89 yards. So as he does. But other than that, not much else. I mean, Javante Williams had one really nice run that if he had a little bit more speed, would have been a tutty, which maybe would have been able to pull the reins, you know, of that backfield. Yeah, out from Melvin, it seems but like once a week, Javante has, has a really nice run where it's like, ooh, okay, this is why I drafted him 108 in my rookie draft. It, it went nice, but... It's, a, it's Melvin Gordon still hanging around. They're getting that 50-50 split. But, yeah, Javante he has impressive runs every week and is definitely definitely making his, his draft stock kind of worth uh, it. Justified. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Yeah. Another pair of running backs that had some pretty good days over in Florida. We had Miami... Dolphins, 17. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 45. Uh, Miles mm. M- Gaskin has been found. <laughs> uh, five carries for 25 yards, but then 10 for 10 through the air, 76 yards, two touchdowns. Everybody, everybody probably sat him this week after last yes. week, and yep. now they are just mad, myself included. <sighs> Yeah, this <laughs> this came out of nowhere. So, Devontae Parker was hurt, and Will Fuller was hurt. So, everybody, including myself and probably you, were thinking, oh, this is Jalen Waddle's blow-up spot. 100%. It was it exactly where how it lined up for Kyle Pitts. Ex- exactly. And he comes out with two receptions for 31 yards. It is exactly what we didn't want, but Miles Gaskin took all. So the reason I thought that this is going to happen is because the Bucks have a good run defense. They're going to be throwing short routes the whole time, 
It's going to be going to Jalen Waddle. Nope. It's going to Gaskin. Every time, 10 receptions, 74 yards, two touchdowns. Just, ugh. I, you can't predict anything anymore. No. Uh, but what you can predict with Jacoby Brissett still under center is that uh, Mike Jacecki will remain a quality tight end option. Four catches on seven targets for 43 yards. Jacek, er, Brisket continues to look his way. Uh, so... If you are in a spot where if you've got, like, Kyle Pitts on a bye this week and Jacecki is out there, go grab him. If you got Logan Thomas that just landed on IR, go grab Jacecki. As long as Tua is out, uh, I assume that you'll still be seeing uh, somewhere in that six-target range for, like, 40 to 60 yards out of Jacecki. Yeah, uh, I I don't trust Mike Gesicki, but I I mean you're you're right with with just Jacoby Brissett feeding him the ball, he's athletic enough and he's got good enough hands where he's gonna haul in a couple of those passes and he looks for him in the red zone. So someone you can stream, not someone I would trust on a week to week. On the other side, Tampa Bay. Uh, you can trust everybody on this offense. <laughs> TV 12, uh, four bills and five touchdowns. Uh, f- Fournette, 110 total yards, one touchdown. And every single week, he looks more and more like that running back from Jacksonville. I'm still mm. mad that I couldn't get him in our league, uh, but I did get him <laughs> in a different league, and it, it paid off already. But Fournette. It's got the reins on it. Uh, Geo did have a receiving touchdown, but Ronald Jones is not seeing the field at all. Antonio Brown went nutty. Mike Evans went nutty. Godwin went nutty. Brown, 7-124, two touchdowns. Mike Evans, 6-113, two touchdowns. Godwin, 7-for-70. This offense can put up points at will, and it's, it's just what's going to happen. Yeah, Antonio Brown seems to just beat up on bad teams. Every time they play a bad team, it's like, ah, Antonio Brown had 100 yards and two touchdowns every every time. But It's because all of a sudden yeah. he's always wide open on a play for, for 45 yards, and it's just like, oh, there he is. Yeah, uh, fastest to 300 receptions, I believe, Antonio Brown. And imagine if he didn't go insane. Yeah. He'd he'd have busted that record easily because it was like two years ago. Yeah, because that's about what he missed from the time with the Patriots, the time with Oakland Raiders. Yeah, yep. But uh, they lost Levante David to an ankle injury, which uh, to the IDP people keep an eye on that. Should uh, increase some Devin White role, Uh, and then. Gronk is saying he will be back Thursday, but will be a game time decision. So if he comes back, I mean, he's probably just going to slot right into here <laughs> and take one of those touchdowns and like 60 of those yards. <laughs> and if Brady, Brady's going to throw damn near four to five every single week, just yeah, from being in this, break all the records, this Arians offense just lets you do that. And yep. Like, Jameis did it before Brady got there. He, Arians wants to air it out. He wants it to be high-powered, and 
Tom Brady has full control of it, and everybody else is feasting as far as the skill players go. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of Jameis, uh, Sean Payton let him huck it around pretty good. Uh, New Orleans 33, Washington football team 22. Uh, Jameis was 15 for 30 for 279 yards, four tutties. He did have two turnovers, uh, but he hit two 50-yard bombs, uh, 72-yarder to Deontay Harris, and then a 50-yard Hail Mary before the half to Marquez Callaway. Kamara got back to being Makar. <laughs> Kamara, 16 carries, 71 yards and a touchdown, and then five catches for 51 yards and a tutty. This was more like the New Orleans that the Packers played week one than what we've seen the last three weeks. Yeah, I think this Washington team is just not very good, and their defense is bad. Just straight up, it's just bad. Yep. And it's really, it's really unfortunate because they have like such a good front seven, so it must be their back end because it seems like their pass rush is getting to the quarterback, but their receivers are all wide open. Like, yeah, what I I don't know. Landon but, Collins, Cam Curl. I I mean, those guys were really good toward the ends of last year, which is why they made the playoffs. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah I I don't know, but Jameis got thirty pass attempts, which is I I would assume his season high. But Taysom went down, I think, with a concussion. Yep. Uh, didn't look great. Not quite Danny Dimes level of not great, but yeah. So that was Jameis's, uh, season high in pass attempts. Only completed 15, but like you said, two of them were bombs. Jameis looked like Jameis and he looked like good Jameis. He didn't look like vintage. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't four touchdowns, four picks. It was only one pick, but Antonio Gibson also Looked pretty good. I mean, he got the two touchdowns, which make the stats look a lot better. But Alvin Kamara just continues. Again, another one of these guys that is going to be in a running back one. Again, he's getting it done on the ground. And last week, he didn't get a single target. This week, he got eight. And he had five receptions. So, these guys, you're... You're expecting the running back guard to change. I expected the running guard or running back guard to change, but it's Derrick Henry, it's Alvin Kamara. I mean, Christian McCaffrey when he's healthy still gets you the exact same production he always has. Saquon when he's been healthy has been getting you solid production. I mean, and then, but then you're also getting these Antonio Gibson, these <laughs> Najee Harris types that are also getting these 20 plus. So it's like, no it's one's falling a crowded out. room. No one's falling out, but more guys yeah. are getting in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah um, uh, Heineke had a pretty tough day. Just 20 for 41, 248 yards, two interceptions, no touchdowns, five carries for 40 yards. That Saints defense was like swarming. It seemed like, Wide receivers didn't have any sort of separation. Terry was just 4 for 11 for 46 yards. Uh, They couldn't do anything in the red zone. They settled for three field goals. And then one of Heineke's interceptions came in the red zone. 
So it just it put Washington in a really tough spot. The Saints defense is really good. They're really good against the run and when their DBs are playing like how they did today is it was just tough for Washington to really get anything going. Yeah, and Ricky Seals Jones, I was kind of like <laughs> joking around that Terry McLaurin was just going to get increased volume when Logan Thomas was out, but Ricky Seals-Jones stepped right into that role and got five receptions for 41 yards. I mean, that's all you can ask for out of a tight end. Slotted, uh, basically, like what we were talking about with the running backs, he became the Logan Thomas handcuff, and he exactly. slotted right into that role, got the same, same production. And then with the Saints heading into their bye week in week six, uh, it was rumored Michael Thomas might be back for week seven. I have not heard anything yet, but we will see. Yeah, I mean, New Orleans is really good when Jameis is good, and having Michael Thomas back is only going to help that. This is true. So hopefully he's scary. back soon. Makes things a little scary. Or hopefully they trade him to the Patriots like we were saying last week. <laughs> yeah, right. That would be nice. Let's move on to Las Vegas Raiders falling at home to the Chicago Bears 20-9. to And I don't know what happened, but this Raiders offense looks like shit. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hard to look at this game right now after learning that John Gruden is not their coach anymore. And, like, just not only thinking about, like, who's going to be their coach going forward. And, like... Who are they gonna pick up? Is it gonna be like Lincoln Riley? Is it gonna I, like I, I don't know. This is it's just, this is an interesting situation with the Raiders, but yeah, offense looks awful. Everybody's just taking Darren Waller away from them and rushing Derek Carr and making him uncomfortable, and it's working. So Joey Bosa said it last week. Everybody's yep. heard the quote by now, where he's like, "Hey, he doesn't like getting hit. He gets happy feet in the pocket." He went down after a helmet-to-helmet hit, and Peterman took some snaps. He would not throw the ball. <laughs> he refused. <laughs> nope, they, they ran it to Josh Jacobs. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I mean, like Brian Edwards dropped a wide-open pass to start the second half, which was when they started getting things going against the Chargers last week. But they just could not sustain a drive. They couldn't finish in the red zone. They were turning it over on downs. And, like, this Bears defense up front has looked much better than it has in past weeks. I mean, Khalil Mack was getting in there, knocking around Carr. Roquan just wreaking havoc. And then even, like, the DBs were getting in some work. Eddie Jackson was flying around. So this Bears defense is getting better when they're not on the field for entire games. Yeah, exactly. And they they controlled the the game on the ground through Damian Williams and Khalil Herbert who had Damian Williams had 16 carries for 64 yards and a touchdown slotted into that David Montgomery role, but Khalil Herbert got a ton of work too. He got 18 carries for 75 yards, which uh, I don't know if I necessarily expected, but doesn't surprise me because he's really good coming out of college. I just didn't know that the Bears liked him that much. But I, I it seems have, like 
no clue yeah. that <laughs> it would get that much work. Exactly, and he looked good. Uh, Williams got the receiving work out of the backfield, but again, Justin Fields only threw 20 times, had 111 yards and a touchdown. Is not running very much. You, nope. you would think that Fields would have like a rushing floor, but Tom Brady has more rushing yards than he does. I think he had just uh, three carries for four yards in the game. It doesn't look like they're yep. like drawing up any designed runs for him, which is weird. Uh, especially I'm sure that'll change, though. And this Bears O-line played really well in this game, and yep. that's the key to getting this a guy like Fields out in some space. Like I know he's got an arm talent, but get him working like both facets of the game. Because next week, you know, when when you're playing the Green Bay Packers, you, know. <laughs> you want the defense to think. That's exactly. your end goal on every play is to not let them play off of instinct. You just want them to have to think. Ah, is Justin Fields going to run? Do we have to set a spy? Do we have to have eight in the box? Do we have to worry about run first? That's why you run RPOs. That's why you go play action. That's why you have motion. And teams that don't use that kind of stuff, like the Steelers, <laughs> who did a lot better job this week of that. They ran a lot of motion and a lot of play action and ended up winning 27-19. to But that's why you do all that stuff, to keep the defense on their heels to make sure they can't tee off on you. And so I'm sure there will be more design runs coming for – Justin Fields because he's super athletic. He can throw it on the run and he's so strong that he can create yards. Mm -hmm. And so it really good game, very understated kind of game. He got his first career touchdown pass. So to good old Jester Horstead. Yeah. The, really hoping that it was going to be Allen <laughs> Robinson. <laughs> but once again, I'm hitting the panic button on Allen Robinson. He doesn't do anything. It's He was quarterback-proof for the longest time, but if the quarterback doesn't throw the ball very much, it's hard for him to get like garbage-time stats. So, Especially when they're winning Allen the Robinson. game. That, that, that was the thing. I mean, yeah. It was, it was when the, they were losing games with Trubisky that end right. of the game was an entire drive where every pass was to Allen Robinson and then they topped exactly. it off with Exactly, him, touchdown. Nick Foles, Blake Bortles all just funnel it to Allen Robinson yep. in the fourth quarter when they're down by 22. Yep. Hey, maybe we'll see it next week against the Packers. I hope so. <laughs> the Cleveland Browns and the LA Chargers put up a total of 89 points was just absolutely nutty everybody yeah. had a fantastic game except for odell <laughs> uh herbert 398 yards four touchdowns one rushing touchdown put up a 40 plus in most leagues mike williams eight catches 165 yards two touchdowns that were both on just bombs where he was just naked. <laughs> Wide open. Uh, Keenan Allen, six catches, 75 yards. Eckler had 119 total yards. Uh, one touchdown on the ground, one through the air. Uh, Donald Parham gets another My touchdown guy. and a two-point conversion. He's getting consistent red zone looks. On the other As side. As he should at six foot eight. Just a massive human being. <laughs> and then on the other side. Baker, 
after we're saying last week, you're never going to see a 300-yard game from Baker. Throws for 305, two touchdowns. Chubb, 21 carries, 160 yards, one touchdown. Kareem Hunt, 12 carries, 61 yards, two touchdowns, five catches, 28 through the air. And then probably the most surprising out of everybody in this game was David Njoku, mm-hmm. who seemed like the feature of the passing game for the Browns. Seven for seven, 149 yards, one touchdown. And then you had Odell with just two catches for 20 yards. Yeah, Odell was frustrated, uh, like always. But, I I mean, am I surprised that Odell's frustrated? Uh, He has had Eli Manning, Daniel Jones, and Baker Mayfield throwing him the ball. I mean, not not exactly blessed with uh, with the quarterbacks, but this this game was – nuts it's like every time you look up someone was in the red zone this was the only game on nfl red zone the, the fourth quarter yeah it was like was it 28 to 21 going into the yep. fourth quarter yeah <laughs> the chargers scored three touchdowns in the fourth quarter yeah just and over and over and over it then the Browns pushed Austin Eckler into the end zone, which probably made the Eckler fantasy managers very happy because he was planning on just kind of like going to the center of the field and then like falling down. Mm-hmm. But they held him up and like walked him into the end zone to give Baker the the chance to win the game. And Baker still does not have ice in his veins. He cannot do the thing that these top-tier quarterbacks do where they get the ball with a little over two minutes left, down five, and drive down the field and get your team the yep. touchdown. He th- threw a check down, he threw a check down, and then he threw incomplete, 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 game over. It was, oh, man, it was so frustrating. Hey, but I guess anybody that had Kareem Hunt and PPR was happy. The last Hail Mary could have arguably been pass interference. Yeah, I mean... Most most Hail Marys can be. Well, I mean, guy got tackled. Yeah, they just don't call it. I mean, they, they... Uh, it, on a Hail Mary, anything goes. It's like a, it's like five hundred. <laughs> <laughs> but the what I took away from this game is how good would Nick Chubb be if he got value touches? He'd have he'd have had three touchdowns. Hunt. Kareem Hunt gets every valuable touch in this offense. He gets every, all of the receiving work. He had six targets, five receptions. And he gets basically all of the red zone works. And Nick Chubb, Nick Chubb's still the RB11. Because he just scores one touchdown from like the 35-yard line a game. And then, oh man, it's so frustrating that he is clearly the more talented runner he's a second and, second leading rusher yeah behind he's Henry. clearly the more talented runner than kareem hunt but he doesn't get the the valuable touches that oh that would make him an rb1 or the rb1 because he'd be scoring a button he would be derrick henry he'd be putting up derrick henry numbers if kareem hunt wasn't getting the work that he is Ugh. frustrating just take them both. Start them both. Yeah. 
Yeah, at this rate, it's an RB1, not a 2. Yeah, exactly. Ridiculous. Uh, moving on to a game that didn't really have much action. San Francisco falling to Arizona 10-17. to Trey Lance got his first start. Uh, his first instinct always seemed like to run the ball. Uh, shades of a little Kaepernick-esque offense, uh, in my opinion, watching it. They didn't run as much option as I thought they would. It was just a lot of designed runs. He he struggled to deliver the ball. Uh, it was only 15 for 29, and then he had 16 carries. Elijah Moore uh, was back to starting. He had 16 total yards. <laughs> Left Trey Sermon with only one carry. So if, if you picked up Trey Sermon or traded for Trey Sermon in the last two weeks, you're probably regretting that decision and then Kittle sat so Ross Dwelly filled in and he only had two catches for 25 yards thought the play calling was kind of questionable overall on San Francisco side it seemed like they were protecting Trey Lance uh and Garoppolo will probably be back after the bye week I mean it's not he had a bruised calf yeah so that's not like some long-term nagging injury. It's like a Charlie also, horse to the calf. Yeah, right. And then and then Trey Lance sprained his knee in this game. So Kyle Shanahan said he'll miss some time. So this could be the only game that Lance starts for a while. Um, Debo had a fine game. I mean, th- nobody really did anything on the San Francisco side. Trey Lance was giving me... Cam Newton vibes like last year Cam Newton vibes okay yeah where it was like it so this this is this is what I'm getting out of Trey Lance is like Cam Newton's skill set but with like Mitch Trubisky's experience <laughs> yeah where it's like Cam Newton came into the league as a Heisman winner a champion and yeah and like a national champion uh-huh. and had was like knew exactly what was going to happen in the NFL and then Mr. Bisky came in, had no idea what he was doing in the NFL, and had a bad coach. Just, but if you combine that experience <laughs> with the body and like the skill set of Cam Newton, you create Trey Lance. Yeah. He he so, didn't look th- that's what it looked like. He wasn't very like fleet of foot. He like I said, they didn't run the option, which I think would have benefited just overall because it was like they they just straight up were just running him. Yeah, a lot of QB power. And it wasn't like they didn't have Juszczyk in front, like, <laughs> like leading as a fullback. They were just running him. <laughs> yeah. Like, at, at early in the game, they, on the fourth and goal, they just ran him right to the corner in an offense that is all about running the motion and stuff like that. It was it was a really confusing game plan against a very fast defense. Yeah. Because like you said, they were just running a lot of QB power and like Isaiah Simmons is a very athletic, very fast. <laughs> He's fast. Yeah. He can get from sideline to sideline. Baker. Very exactly. fast. And like Jordan Hicks is the right size to tackle someone like like Trey Lance. Zaven Collins, a very large man to be meeting in the middle. So this, I, 
you got to use your misdirection. Kyle Shanahan shouldn't be dumbing it down this much. Trey Lance, I know he's not experienced, but he knows how to run a read option. You can still run your motion concepts. I mean, really strange play calling from Shanahan, but, I mean, he obviously knows a lot more behind the curtain. So maybe Trey Lance just really, really is not ready. And that was basically what he said after last week. He looked like a rookie quarterback, which not wrong. He looked like a rookie in this one. Uh, Kyler on the other side didn't really have, you know, yeah. below Kyler's standard game. He fumbled twice. Uh, he, he was doing his runaround thing, hitting guys deep. But that boy Rondell Moore looked like an mm. absolute stud. They're giving him handoffs right out of the backfield. He had that that still shot of the toe tap oh. on the sideline. Oh, I didn't think he caught it. And this is a tiny dude. Yeah. Extending Very like compact. that. 57 180. <laughs> Small just, person. And he could just make plays. Then it's only ha- a little a little bigger than Jamar. Then <laughs> then Hopkins has some nice them strong Hopkins was Hopkins. them strong hands plays. Yes. You know, where he's he's fighting through he, he ripped the TD yep. away from uh Josh Norman. As as he does. And then uh, Max Williams left the game early with what looked like a season ending knee injury. So it was that's yep. disappointing. Oh, for the season. For a guy that was just starting to come into his own, especially in this yeah. offense. That was a bad, bad hyperextension. That was ugly. But Rondale, give him more touches. Get him the ball this, any way possible. And this this was like the, the perfect sort of game script for him. It just seemed like he was – every, like, third play, it seemed like they are getting him the ball. And he was doing something every single time. And he only played 48% of snaps. A lot of mouths to feed. And you got Christian Man, Kurt, you it, got A.J. Green, you know. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. Just give Rondale more touches. Give him more snaps because when he gets them, he is so electric. But Christian Kirk only had 54% of snaps, and Rondale Moore had 48% of snaps. So it seems like Kirk is going down because he played 72% the week before that. So we might be getting a little bit of rising Mm -hmm. up from Rondale Moore. I hope so at least because on these eight touches, he had a fantastic game. Then we're going to move on to another team that had a pretty fantastic game all around. Dallas looks like the real deal. I know we said going into the season that it seems like they're always getting hyped up like the 76ers every year, a team that hasn't proved it in 20 years, but are always getting gassed up like they're going to be the champs. But Dallas steamrolls the Giants. Uh, Trayvon Diggs just... He's a ball hawk. Just the <laughs> definition of a ball and hawk. He could have had two. Yeah, he had that one where uh, uh, Daniel Jones was throwing it away, and he went upstairs to go get it. He didn't get his feet down, but oh my god. Rodrigo Blankenship but, looks like he's crying next to the... Uh, yeah, he was sitting down and he missed uh, a field goal. Or missed an extra, missed point. extra point. Yeah, Rodrigo holds himself to a high standard. 
Some Respect the specs. Come back, come back. Hey, that catch by Pittman was... <sighs> yeah. <laughs> but the, the story of this game, Saquon goes down. Oh. Kenny Galladay goes down. But Kadarius Tony goes up. <laughs> My man had 10 receptions, 189 yards. And one ejection. And one ejection. I don't understand. I don't understand why you punch a guy in the helmet. I'll never understand it. You gotta go for the throat. You gotta (laughs) you gotta do something. You just like you're better off. Andre Johnson, he'll take your helmet off and then punch. (laughs) Classic. Classic. (laughs) But but yeah, punching the helmet, it's just like you you hurt your hand and then you get ejected. It's just never good. You got start they gotta start giving throat chops. Come up to a guy. I, I feel like that'd get you not only ejected, but suspended. <laughs> yeah, but, they, yeah, unfortunately, Saquon had a water balloon on his ankle after... It was ugly. Just the stupidest, the stupidest injury that we've all had, where you just roll your ankle inward yeah. after stepping on somebody's foot. Oh, my God. So annoying. So annoying. It, ugh. I was expecting, like, a hammy or something to, like, with the, the compensation... From the knee injury, mm-hmm. but, but no. no, no, he rolled his ankle on somebody's foot after the play. So stupid. What? I'm annoyed. And he wasn't even involved in the play. Exactly. Had exactly. He didn't have the ball. Nothing. He was just like walking back to the huddle, and he just like hopped and then landed on the foot, <sighs> and all his weight came down, and he rolled it. And it was a fat roll. His ankle was fat. Yep. So that's going to be two to four weeks. And then, so we're getting Devonte Booker filling in, who filled in. Nicely, 16 carries, 41 yards, one touchdown, three catches for 14 yards and a touchdown. Dan Jones got rocked trying Oof. to make a play, getting in the end zone. That he got ugly. up, and good thing Jermaine Curse seen it because he ran over and was the one that held him up. <laughs> yeah, so, that was, oh, man, that was that was hard to watch. He got up, and you could kind of see it in his <sighs> eyes, and then he – it cut away and then it cut back to him like stumbling it and it was like ooh it just like makes it just like gives you that empty pit in your feeling or in your stomach feeling it's That's, like ugh. that is like when you are like <laughs> you see it in UFC and boxing when the dude is he's up yeah. but the lights are off yeah you you put that shot on the chin and they're like their knees go stiff and they're <sighs> just kind of wobbly but they're like surviving yeah no so we're ugh. getting we're getting Ugly. Glennon some Glennon starts for at least a week as Dan Jones is in concussion protocol. Then on the other side, offensively, everybody got involved for Dallas. Dak, 302, three tutties, had one interception. You did fumble once. But Zeke, man. 21 carries, 110 yards, and touchdown, and then added one through the air. Gave him a high step as he was going Zeke. in. Ooh. Yeah, he he fell on that pylon, and he, like, hurt his hip. And I was like, oh, no, right when he got in the red zone. I was like, no, Zeke's down. Then, and that was because I good. had Saquon, too. It was all good. Oh, man. But then he came right back. And he stretched it out with the high step. And yeah, that's, that's three straight 20-point games for Zeke. His fourth straight 17-plus. I mean, he's he's back to producing elite numbers. He always has with Dak in the lineup. And that that play design on that touchdown where he had the motion, he faked the motion, yep. and then he faked, faked the toss the to Zeke. Ugh. 
and then he popped it back and then popped it over the top. Ooh, that was clean. Man, you know McCarthy didn't come up with that one. CD Lamb, wide receiver one on this team. I I told you don't panic. It was was good. It was good. I told you don't panic. I'm panicking. I told you not to panic. That was a 49-yard bomb. Yeah. And I I didn't think he was getting there, too. I didn't think CD was getting there. And then all of a sudden, he just... Tutty. Yep. Then Dak Dak looks so good. Mm-hmm. Every week he just looks better. Yep, he hit. And Dalton Schultz. Yep. Six for seventy nine. He had Amari Cooper for a touchdown. Uh and it, and Pollard still even yep. finds his way, you know, gets his yardage. He had hundred and three total yards. So is that that's your that's your Aaron Jones in this offense. Just has so many yards per carry. Yeah. Aaron yep. Jones, he had like a what I think he had a fifty-seven yarder. Mm. And then, then we missed the field goal. But... <laughs> Shocker. Anyways, uh, tough day. It, find yourself a way to get a piece of this Dallas offense because yeah, Dalton Schultz can be the cure. Can be the cure to tight end streaming. Dalton Schultz, go grab him if he's still on the wire. Yeah. Because especially, especially. If you have a tight end like one of the, the the Kelsey, the Waller, the Pitts, the Hawkinson, maybe even Mark Andrews, the Dawson Knox, where you have a buy coming up, Dawson Knox, ooh, well Dawson again, we'll get to him. Hey Dawson Knox, but, has a, yeah, they Dalton got the same buy. Yeah, could be one of your guys. Yeah, it's true. And then yeah, like like we were just saying, Dawson Knox, mm. he's he's a wide receiver one in my book. Dude, just wide receiver one on the Bills. A a wide receiver one. I put him up there. He's got five. Dawson Knox. He's got five touchdowns. He's the tight end two on the season. Who could have seen this coming? I mean, Josh Downs is a stud. So it's true. This Buffalo offense and defense are really good. Going to Kansas City, win thirty-eight to twenty. They. Josh Allen didn't see any pressure the entire game. And he was doing everything. Yep. He was incredible on the ground. 11 for 59, one touchdown, had a filthy hurdle. And then yeah, only 15 completions for 315 yards, three touchdowns. Yeah. It's just becoming this- too easy. This Chiefs defense is awful. Horrific. Like, Josh, Josh Allen, man, looking a lot like a QB1. Caught him up. Just sliced him. Uh, but Zach Moss, yes. my guy. Good action. Yep, he's got 55 yards through the air, 37 on the ground. I mean, he's not that good of a runner. We all know this, but he gets the value touches. Hey, if he's like, getting... If he gets five catches for 55 yards, then if you could get 50 yeah. yards on the ground, you know, on 15 carries. Uh, that's what I'm saying. And then he gets all the red zone touches. So hey. that, that, love me some Zach Moss. Emmanuel Sanders continues to produce. Stefan Diggs had a pretty bad game, but, I mean, I wouldn't look too much into it. Uh, there, but I think there was a couple plays. There was either a hold that brought back there was a penalty that brought back what would have been a big play for Diggs. Or it might have yeah. been 
a defensive pass interference that was intended for Diggs. But right. yeah, so Emmanuel I, Sanders I is becoming the red zone threat. Mm-hmm. Him and him and Knox. Oh, Knox, Knox, that's that big play threat. <laughs> uh, the the Bills have been waiting for this game since last year when Kansas City knocked them out of the playoffs. Since Diggs this is why stood they drafted on the field. Russo. This is why they drafted Basham, so they could send four and drop everybody else into coverage. And that's, so far, if you have the pass rushers to only rush four, that's been how Kansas City is stopped. They did it the you entire just, night. Exactly. They didn't, I think they blitzed on like 6% of plays or something like that. It, and they're a heavy blitz team usually. Mm-hmm. But when they play this Kansas City team, you sit back in coverage and you rush four. And it works. And Greg Rousseau is a stud. Yeah. He had a pick and a sack in this game. I mean, Jerry Hughes is really good. Tremaine Edmonds was all over the place. I mean, it just seems like the more that <clears throat> the more that this Chiefs team gets beat and like takes these games kind of not so seriously, maybe it just seems like these AFC teams are catching up. Well, it's it's getting to a point where. Like Mahomes has to try and make riskier plays, mm-hmm. just because the defense can't get on the field. So he's trying to do more to try to extend drives, and and keep give them a chance to score points, just because they know the defense can't stop anyone. And he exactly. was still running out of the pocket all night, and Buffalo was only rushing four. Yep. I mean, he had three turnovers again. Micah Hyde had a pick six late in the game. You know, he, he fumbled. And it's, he, the man needs help. And it's, they need help on the defensive side of the ball. And I really, I, I don't know where to start. Like, where do you start? You, you have to figure out a way to get big plays out of Tyreek Hill without taking the top off the defense. Because every defense is now preparing, <laughs> is now preparing with a deep shell, so Tyreek Hill cannot take the top off your defense. They know you can't run the ball. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Helaire left this game with the MCL sprain. He's going to be out a couple weeks, so keep an eye on Daryl Williams in the, on the waivers. Still, I. But they don't. They don't. Exactly. They don't run the ball. Exactly. So they'd rather run the underhand defense, shuffle passes to Kelsey at the one yard line. Exactly. Then run like, a draw. You don't have to worry about them them running. So you just line up in a deep shell coverage and let everything happen in front of you. Rally up, make tackles. So you have to scheme up ways for Tyreek Hill to get big plays without him running past defenders and they haven't gotten it yet i mean he had seven receptions for 63 yards which is just not that good for tyreek especially when you know he could go off for 180 yards at any point i mean exactly it was nice to see you know pringle and hardman step up but when you can't get your best guys the ball i mean kelsey had an all right game, you know, it was 
standard from Kelsey standards, but if that defense is giving up 38 points a game. It doesn't matter. It's exactly what we saw with Aaron Rodgers for so long. Yeah. Where they had a bottom defense, and he did everything he could to win them games, and it's just not a winning formula. Yeah, so panic button pressed in KC. Yes, I am also pressing it with you. And are the Bills the best team in the league? We'll do this. We'll do this every week. We'll just crown a new team. Yes, the Bills are the best team in the league. They uh, have the the best quarterback in the league. I mean, maybe maybe Tom Brady, but Josh Allen every game just proves that he's a monster. He's dual threat, and like I said last week, there's a crowded MVP race, but they have no running game, and. Well, Josh Allen is their running game. Yeah. And then he <laughs> he's pretty puts good up at great, it. Great numbers through the air. So, Josh Allen, be nice. We, we, we'll just have a, have a new best team in the league every week. And this week, it is the Buffalo Bills. With that, want to get uh, some the, heat checks? The Colts are beating up on, on the Ravens right now. Yeah, I've seen Lamar just fumble. Right now, they're reviewing if there is a scoop and score that happened. Yep, and it's looking like it is a fumble by Lamar. It's, yeah, it's very close. You hate to, uh, you Michael hate to Pittman mossed somebody. Devin Duvernay is the <laughs> wide receiver, receiver for the Ravens. Yep. Uh, hey, Jonathan Taylor great hasn't played much since his couple. Great play. Like on the scoop and score though to to pitch it back. Darius Leonard, was, yeah, you pitched it back. I wonder wonder how they're going to score that. <laughs> is it a is fumble? That, is that a passing touchdown? Is that a fumble by Leonard? <laughs> is the lateral a fumble? Anyways, uh, at least it's not. Yeah. A, doesn't go down as minus six for, for Lamar because yeah, scoop and score not pick six. Yeah. Anyway, heat checks. Oh, yeah. Heat check. Go go ahead. Go ahead. Well. I think that the Detroit Lions have a bright future mm. if they can get a quarterback like Matt Corral. Because with Okuda coming back off of his ACL, Aquara Achilles, Aquara coming back off his ACL. Now you got they cut Jamie Collins. They're going to be giving Derek Barnes more work at linebacker. So, like, you've got a piece on all three levels of your defense. And Akuda was hurt all last year, too. I mean, Aquara, you know, when he was getting that play time, he was making plays last year. And Derek Barnes is pretty hyped. I mean, he's going to have a chance. So, like, the defense, the seeds are planted for the defense. And so, with defense basically being hurt right now, they got a good chance of getting a high draft pick. And you got Swift, really good running back on offense. Hawkinson, an elite tight end. Amon-Ra, you know, if he's coming into his own as a wide receiver. A lot of talent. You get... One more wide receiver, and you get a talented quarterback 
And you got the head coach and Dan Campbell, who seems to love coaching football. He is in five weeks. He is just like in love with this team, which is crazy. Because most yeah. guys would just be like, "You got look at Urban five weeks in with the team. He don't even right. he don't even know how many plays are being called on offense." <laughs> but yeah, it's a really good point and. They're definitely a quarterback away from being an interesting young team. And the thing is with this upcoming 2022 draft, it's a very shallow quarterback draft class. As opposed to the last few years where it's like you can have three guys that you know going in are going to be probably solid. Mm -hmm. But in this one, it's like so far, Matt Corral has been... The only one that's impressive enough to like be confident in taking with a high pick. But the Lions look like they're going to be able to get him because the only teams with bad records have the quarterback. Th- have quarterbacks, exactly. It's like the Jags and the Jets and whoever else. The Dolphins, that, I mean, Dolphins yeah. could make a move. Trade but. for Watson, I know. Uh and then, yeah, so I could definitely see yeah, Matt Corral to the Lions. That'd be pretty nice. That'd be pretty nice. I just, I like the future of yeah. Detroit. I am investing in that team. I, yeah, I, I like that. I could definitely see if they are going quarterback in this next draft, which they should, even though their GM likes Jared Goff. But he by the end ties. of the year he won't. <laughs> We're giving you permission. We're giving you permission to cut ties with Jared Goff and and go get the most talented quarterback. That's not Spencer Rattler. I got I got beef with Oscar movies. I, so so all right all right. I've been thinking about this for a while. Where you have. The movies that everybody sees, that everybody agrees are the best movies. And then the Oscars just don't reflect that at all. At all. You sit there and it's like, it's like, oh, The Shape of Water. One, It's like nobody watched The Shape of Water was like, oh, exactly. I just never watched it. Exactly. It's like, no. if you watch The Shape of Water, it's like, okay, cool. (laughs) (laughs) Every time. It's like. You, I, I don't watch the Oscars because it's like you see the Oscar winners and it's like it's always a drama. It's never like a movie that you're wanting to go see. Like it's not a thriller. It's not an action movie. It's not an adventure movie. There's no sci-fi. It's just all drama movies where directors and actors go and like make their Oscar movie, quote unquote, and those are the ones that win. Like Leonardo Leonardo DiCaprio had to go make a specific movie, even though he deserved an Oscar for like the Titanic, which was a fantastic movie that everybody loved. He sh- he could have got an Oscar for that, but no, nah, he had to wait like forty years where he played a bunch of good roles and star in a solo movie that was a drama by himself in order to win Best Actor. It's annoying. I don't think Oscar movies should be a thing. You should win when you are the best actor in the best movie. Period. And it's like the same group of people always, too. Exactly. Exactly. 
Yeah, they do it's things like based on name. Right. It's like, yeah, oh, it's Meryl Street. It's Steven Spielberg. It's Stanley Kubrick. And fucking the same 18 people at, at the Oscars every year. And then it's like, oh, this guy has never won an Oscar. And it's like, oh, yeah, the, here's their Lifetime Achievement Oscar after they die. Because he made all these great movies and we never gave him an Oscar. Because <laughs> he never made a quote-unquote Oscar movie. Yeah, they kind of bogus. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying. <laughs> I don't watch any of those awards because I don't care I, I just I feel like it'd be like if it was more like an MVP race where it's like oh yeah Robert Downey Jr's Iron Man best actor where it's like there's these guys that you care about that you're watching and that you're like invested in are getting it should, the, the awards it should be more the character that they're right. playing should get the award yeah <laughs> not the actor <laughs> Like, yeah, Tony Stark <laughs> with the Oscar. <laughs> but, yeah, I got beef. I got beef And, with like, the most of the movies, it's, like, you, you're not going to watch a drama more than once. Right. Like, like, they're not rewatchable. It's like, yeah, that was a good movie. I watched it once. Right. It's, it's like, like, something like The Revenant. Yeah. I'm you, not going to watch The Revenant. I haven't even watched The Revenant. I watched it. <laughs> we went to it in theaters. And my man's Ethan was curled up, snoozing. <laughs> we were in the reclining, <laughs> the big recliners. That's an Oscar movie for you. <laughs> man, I mean, I thought, I thought it was pretty good. Like, how can, how can Keanu Reeves not win something for, like, The Matrix? Yeah. Like, that, that is, oh, Like, man. as a movie gets older, they should redo awards. So, this, this, is, this is where I'm getting to. The Oscars should be done five years after the movies come out. The movie, it's like like a Hall of Fame thing where the movie's not eligible or the actor's not eligible for that movie until five years after the movie releases. So this year, it would be like the 2017 class. I like that. Because it'll be the 2022 Oscars. Yeah. So I, I'm just, I'd, hey, I'd, I'd get down I'm all that. in. I'm all in. I like that. Well... Thank you for joining us on this edition of the Firestarters podcast. Send us questions, any fantasy questions, any questions in general. It doesn't even have to be fantasy. We like answering. We can talk yeah, about anything. I, that's, that's what we do. Uh, the Firestarters pod at gmail.com, or you can hit us up on Twitter, DM us on at pod Firestarters. But we appreciate the listen, and we will... Talk to you next time. Bye-bye.